Welcome back to part two of the podcast program this morning. My name is Shane Ambrose. Delighted to have you with us. Uh, myself and John are still manning, John is manning the machine, and we're delighted this morning to have a guest uh, on the podcast this morning, Bishop Brendan Lee. Good morning, Bishop Brendan. Good morning, Shane. Good to see you or hear from you, Shane. How are you? That's all right. That's okay. And how are you keeping in these COVID times? Well, thank God we're moving on now, and it's great to see so many people vaccinated and that people are generally now especially with the Limerick victory all a bit more upbeat and looking forward to the future so let's hope uh, it was good to hear the Minister for Health saying the other day that even by Christmas we might have all the restrictions lifted that would be fantastic so I'm keeping mm. well with that hope. Very good yeah I think it's very much time of trying to keep people uh, keep people on on message I suppose is the term I'd use but trying just to keep people focused more than anything else and I suppose we're, as we're in the last uh, stages of the, the national vaccination program, I note with interest Pope Francis's recent intervention uh, in the Americas uh, in terms of supporting in terms of supporting the, the vaccination programs there, where he described vaccination vaccinations that have been duly approved by a proper authority as an act of love. And I thought it was an interesting um, it was an interesting way of phrasing it particularly given yeah. that there's still vaccine hesitancy out there. Yes, I mean, it's a lovely expression, and it is wonderfully encouraging to see here in Ireland in general there has been a great take-up on the vaccine. I know some countries, maybe a bit more in the United States, there are pockets of, of people being nervous, uh, so in some cases, about the vaccine itself in terms of health. Some nervous maybe more about the morality of something that might have been linked, as we know, uh, in some cases to the, 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 the cell lines. But in general here in Ireland, as bishops themselves have said, really moral, morally it's okay to take vaccines. And I think Pope Francis puts it even more positively saying it's an act of love in the sense that, you know, you really are doing something for the, not just for your own good, but you're doing it also to try and build up this famous herd immunity that we can have together in Ireland for the benefit of people all over the country, young and old. And it's uh, we'll wait and see, wait and see how it goes. So one of the one of the things we wanted to talk to you this morning about Bishop Brendan is uh, synods. We're coming out our ears in synods at the moment. Um, if you turn, you can't turn a page in a religious newspaper without hearing about a synod somewhere in the world. Um, I, I noticed with interest. So the English diocese have started it. The Australians are in the process for plenary. And now Pope Francis has added to the mix, and as we are adding to the mix as well here in Ireland. So there was two things just, I suppose, for you to, we wanted to kind of to introduce to people, uh, because there, might, there hasn't been a whole lot of coverage about it just yet. And the first one is the Irish bishops, in your wisdom, you have decided we're going to have uh, a national synod. Now, I know the official launch is in September, October, and we'll cover it close to the time again. But just, I suppose, briefly, what would you say to Joe and Mary Soap sitting in the pew this morning, kind of going, what on earth is that about? Well, look, I suppose, even though it's very obvious, and maybe I'm repeating it, and maybe people say, look, we know all this. Nevertheless, it's worth repeating it. The word synod, which can be a bit of a strange word for some people, is made up of two words, which means basically journeying together. 
journey together. It's a Greek word, synod, but we use it in English. And it means walking, talking, being together, trying to work things out together. For the church, that means in a very specific sense, trying to understand the roadmap, the navigation map that God wants for us at this time. In other words, we're on a journey. We know things are not easy in terms of the church. We've had major changes in the past 50 years. But look, we've got the possibility now of, as to where, opening up our GPS, they call it nowadays, as we're guided in our cars through these navigation maps. We are now being given a chance together, all of us, to try and listen, especially listen, but also work out together what are the directions, what does God want us to focus on moving forward. And this is important for us in Ireland. We have, as you know, a huge tradition, very ancient. We're one of the most you know, ancient countries in the Christian world. We have wide extension for one time, some maybe 50 years ago, proportionately with the highest number of missionaries in the world. So our extension has gone vast during the week. I know you may have seen it, a wonderful program nationwide about a sister, Sister Ethel Normoyle, who was a company of Mary's sister. She was here in Limerick in her novitiate, but she's from Clare. But she did the most incredible work down in South Africa, acclaimed by everybody. She got the Tipperary Peace Prize. A wonderful person. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that Irish people have gone all over the world with the church doing wonderful good. In our history and tradition, we have a massive treasure trove of traditions, heritage, writings, poetry, texts. But look, we're not a museum. The church is living. The church is alive. So we're going forward into a new time with new demands, new pressures. If you want, it's as if we're moving into a new continent. And just as like we send missionaries all over the world, we now ourselves have to be the missionaries in the new continent continent that we're moving into now. And the synod for the church is this process what we call a synodal pathway rather than the synod. It's a process whereby we'll try together, and that's the important bit, together, not just the bishops, not just a few lay people, not just a few experts, not just a few theologians, together try to listen to what God is pointing out to us. Now, certainly in all of that, each of us will have our role. So that's really, I would say it's an opportunity, as you say, for people in the pew to say, look, I'm not just passively here. I'm an active member of the church. I have something to give. I have something to say. And we've all got something to learn from each other. Mm. But could I, could, I, could I play devil's advocate a minute, Bishop Brendan, and just kind of ask a question to you? Um, in terms of, I suppose, expectations that might uh, arise in relation to it, because I think one of the challenges that we have at the moment is the disconnect that's sometimes perceived to be there between the church's teachings and different things in the modern world. And I suppose there would be, I suppose there'd be a question that would be raised that people will bring these things to the table. Some of it, obviously, we can listen and journey together and potentially there are ways that things might change. But for some things as well, they can't, you know, or they, they won't be, we won't be able to change it. And so th there's the risk there that people might say, well, you know, you didn't listen to us. You didn't change because we didn't do what they wanted to do. So I suppose my question is how, how and it's not just with Synod, that's just life in general, but how do we manage that kind of expectation, that kind of concern that people might have? 
Yeah, look, I think we're entering into it with an open mind and open heart. You know, if we overly worry about a conversation or a dialogue, you kind of the risk is we could almost before we get going have a kind of uh, a fence built up around ourselves. Whereas, look, I think we go into it with an attitude of openness. It is true to say, of course, it's true to say that not every voice, everything, every person, every word will be said either by the bishops or by anybody else will be the ultimate definitive word. word. But there is something going on here that Pope Francis talks about. And I just want to use as another one of his words, maybe slightly, it's a word we don't normally use, but it is maybe a word that we're increasingly beginning to use. And the word is discernment, discernment. In other words, it's a spiritual tradition. We've tried, we've got to try to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You know, in the monasteries years ago, St. Benedict, when he would have his meetings in the communities, he would say, let's be very careful here. It might be the youngest person who seems to be the person least trained, least formed, who has something for us that we need to hear as the voice of God. Whereas maybe the greatest monk with the greatest studies mightn't be the person. Equally, the person who's shouting the loudest, the person who's making the most, the person who is maybe people applauding them, that might not be the voice of God. So really what we're talking about is discerning what is God's voice in the middle of all of this. Now, we do have to listen to everybody's voice, because maybe in the middle of everything, somebody has something to say that is of God. But I think we've all got to accept none of us is God. We have to be humble, like little children. That's what the gospel tells us. Certainly, the bishops will have their role to play. We know the gift of faith is given to us as a gift. We didn't create it. We didn't make it up. So it's not about making up another church or another faith. No, we're not about that. But we are about understanding. And that may mean new understandings of what the faith means and how it can be lived today. And that's what's important. If we overly worry about the exercise, I think we're bringing a pressure into a conversation that isn't needed. Um, but you're right. Of course, we have to be clear. We have to be clear. It is true to say that the faith isn't there as something that can just be kind of uh, rewritten. Jesus has given us the gospel. He is the gospel. We can't rewrite him. Synodality, as I said at the top, it's a very... Um... It's very often it's a very common word we're listening to at the moment. Uh, you know, for example, there's there's a there's also a, a national synod going on in Germany that is creating quite a lot of stirs at the moment. But um, it also links in with something that Pope Francis is doing, which is that uh, and we've covered it a number of times on the program previously is the synod of bishops that meets in Rome. So Pope Francis has decided that the next topic for the, the Bishop of the Senate of Bishops in Rome to discuss and reflect on is actually the issue of synodality itself. But this time around, there's going to be a slight bit of a, a bit of a twist to the process, if you like, because it's actually going to start more at the local level and the national level before going up to a regional level. So I suppose, um, are we, and, and now we, we had announced the National Senate before Pope Francis came out with this idea. So. Are we kind of linking the two in, or what way is that working? Yes, it's true that in the past 50 years, since the Second Vatican Council, bishops have been meeting in synods every two, three years ago, years, and having a conversation and, and topics to do with the church. Pope Francis has said this time around, in order to really prepare, he wants parishes, dioceses, groups, movements, associations, religious orders to be involved. So questionnaires, talking, focus groups, he wants that taking place all over the church. And part, as you say, the topic is 
how is it we live synodality? The very questions you're talking about, how do we live synodality? How do we be careful not to go outside our parameters? And all? That is what he wants us to talk about now, first of all. So what we're going to do is the first year of our phase of the synod in Ireland, we're hoping the synodal process in Ireland will be five years. The first year of it will be dedicated in part to this very question. What is synodality? How best should it work? What's the way to go about? How, how can we learn? to be uh, journeying together, talking together, listening to each other in communion with one another. So that's the first year. So we will be devising, as it were, when we get ourselves up and running, which we're hoping now in the next two or three weeks to be ready with, uh, a way of rolling out across parishes and the diocese. Um, yeah, a process, we could say, of listening, talking, reflecting together. But mm. I should say, and this is something I want to just emphasise, Synodality isn't just about the meeting in Rome or a meeting or meetings that we might have in five years time. Synodality, I think, and we're beginning to understand this more deeply for Pope Francis, is about a new way, as it were, of being church together. Not just going to church together, but being church together. In other words, not just going to the Mass on Sunday and saying our prayers, actually as a community, living together our faith, sharing together our faith, doing projects together as a community. This is something I think we have to enter into more deeply. Okay. And in terms of um, other things that are going on at the moment, um, one of the things that was recently done from, from by Pope Francis, he, now you'd have to forgive my Latin here, it's not exactly the greatest, but he issued a motu proporio, which is basically a piece of legislation on his own authority. And it dealt with the usage and regulation of what we would call the traditional Latin Mass, so the Tridentine Mass or the Mass of 1962. So I suppose, um, for those that might be interested, do we have uh, Mass celebrated in the diocese in, in, the, in, in the 1962 ritual? Yes, we have an institution in Limerick City, the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest. They celebrate the Mass in that liturgy. That's the only point we have in the diocese. So that's the only one that would be covered really by this uh, new, as you say, motu proprio on the part of the Pope. Really, I think this issue was more an issue in other countries than it is in Ireland. Mm. Uh, it, it hasn't really been a major of major significance for us in Ireland, generally speaking. There are a few people, but generally speaking, a very small number who would like the Mass in the Latin, in the, not so much the Latin, because that, 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 that's not the issue but rather in the Tridentine Rite, which is the older form of the Mass. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't have many asking for it in Ireland. So it really hasn't been or isn't a really a major issue in Ireland. In Limerick, we have the one place where it does mm -hmm. take place. The one, the one thing that caught my eye with the Popish letter that accompanied the, the piece of legislation, and it was one thing, the one piece that caught my eye was, um, it was it was a letter to all the bishops, because obviously, of course, bishops are the... The, the person at the local level with responsibility for, for liturgy. And he, he was saying, I ask you, as in the bishops, to be vigilant in ensuring that every liturgy be celebrated with decorum and fidelity to the liturgical books programmated after the Vatican Council without the eccentricities that can easily denigrate into abuses. And I thought it was an interesting one because, of course, one of the, one of the complaints that people who are attached to the, the Tridentine rites have is that sometimes the... The liturgies that we have in Ireland, that well, that we have, that we have every day, aren't exactly 
life affirming. Sometimes liturgy in itself can, you know, it's it can be quite rosy. To use an expression, sometimes people say mass is boring. So I suppose there is a challenge for us there from from in you know from a from a liturgical perspective that liturgies are life affirming. Would you say? Yeah, well, liturgy in itself is beautiful. In other words, when you have liturgy in itself, something deep happens at a liturgy. Now, I think a person of faith going to a church where a liturgy is taking place will always uh, tune in to something deep that's going on at the Mass. The issue, I suppose, is more where maybe faith isn't so strong or whatever. Then the liturgy becomes like simply a ritual or a, a it's as if the person is going to um, some kind of an event. So they're just kind of looking at it almost from outside and maybe can find it boring because it just has these elements. But I think for people of faith, the issue is more faith than the liturgy itself, in my view. Um, one thing, one other thing, I suppose, just to ask you, Bishop Brendan, um, there was, I, I don't know if you, you saw the recent article um, uh, by by Archbishop Dermot Farrell in Dublin. And, he, and now, unfortunately, I myself haven't been able to get my hands on the full article he did. It was with the one of the, the, the Shield Tech, which is the annual journal of the National Seminary. So unfortunately, I'm only relying on what was reported in the Irish Times. But the comments that were used that Catholic Archbishop Dublin says belief has vanished in Ireland, but that reduced numbers may afford an opportunity to reimagine the institutional church. And I suppose it was it was um, it was an interesting one because he focused on an underlying crisis of faith that was particularly acute among younger generations. And I suppose I'm just wondering, what would your own thoughts on that be? Oh, well, it's a huge topic. <laughs> what you're mentioning there, like my few thoughts on it now in two or three minutes, it's a massive, massive topic. We're moving into an era. We are in an era of huge change. I mean, Pope Francis is very famous for saying this, not just a, a change uh, in an era it's an era not just an era of change it's a change of era in other words it's not just that there's a few changes going on we're actually in the middle of a massive change in general so i think we need to be calm and re recognize that ireland has moved through major eras of change before the vikings came and the whole church setup collapsed for about 300 years the reformation came massive disturbance for two or three hundred years so we're not uh, it's not something we we don't know about. What is happening now is clearly a sign that we're being shaken from a certain shaping of the church into understanding a new way. And I think part of that new way will be a new, deep, a more interior understanding of what the church is. Not just going along being a member of the church, but having the church as something that is your home in which you interiorize what's going on. So, for instance, last week, uh, weekend, I was with a group of young people and they're young adults, not, not a huge number, but a certain number of young adults. But great faith, great devotion, interior as, as we're belonging to the life of the church. We're talking about going on a hike in September. So there are young people around, maybe not the huge numbers of, of years ago, but they are beginning. They are the seeds of a new kind of culture, which it will develop in Ireland, because while we we're able to take the church for granted for many, many years. The fact is we don't now. And so now young people are beginning to realize, well, actually, if I believe this, or if this is something that is important for me, I have to stand up for it. And that's beginning to happen. So yes, in one sense, many things collapse, many things have vanished. So in that sense, Archbishop Bermond was right. But also, and I know he'd be the first to say it too, 
there are the beginnings of something new, but that'll take time. I, I don't want to say we have a magic wand and in 50 years' time, we'll all see the churches full again. That's not going to be the way it's going to be. Mm. No, I have to say that in the article, he, he wasn't pessimistic. Um, I have to say he, he, he did look at it as a positive, as an opportunity. So I think that's that's something that we need to remind ourselves uh, when we when, when we reflect on this. So um, thanks, so thanks thanks for that, Bishop Brendan. Um, so just as we as we come to the kind of the end of our chat today, um, if, if there's any other thoughts you'd want to, you'd want to maybe to share with listeners this morning, I know for example next week, the first of September is the is the first day of the of the season of creation, and, and Betty Baker and Rose were on last week to tell us about some of the great things that the diocese is doing. Um, is there anything else maybe that you'd like to share with people this morning? Well, yes, this is a new initiative that Pope Francis has launched some years back now from the 1st of September until the 4th of October, which is the Feast Day of St. Francis. We focus on creation as a gift from God. It's the, our home, as it were. And the church is a new sense that we must help to protect our home. And we take small initiatives to do that. So we pray naturally. We watch ourselves in terms of the environment. We promote the care of the environment. And we in the Diocese of Limerick, we're going to have stuff on our website, on our Facebook, little mottos for the day. We're going to have a Zoom conversation, I think, this coming this coming week. We hope the 1st of September in the evening time at half seven. We're going to have a um, launch of the season of creation with a reflective prayer at half seven. That's the 1st of September, Wednesday. Then we're going to also hopefully have a tree initiative, tree planting initiative that will involve young people. That'll be later on, maybe in early October. But in the meanwhile, we'll have things going on on Sunday, liturgies. We'll have special prayers during the liturgies. We have prayer services, which people can do for the during the week, practical actions they can take. So they'll all be available as well on our website. website. And I'd encourage people to really move into this. It's one of the new signs of the Holy Spirit look after creation promote it it's god's gift it's our home let's love our creation that's maybe something that's coming to us as well okay question bishop brendan thank you so much for joining us this morning we're delighted to have you on the podcast thanks very much shane and to okay. john well done so now we might go for a second piece of music and this one it's a worship song and it's entitled because he lives i can face tomorrow so join us again in part three where we read and reflect on the word of god